Good morning. It's good to see you all. Thanks for coming back up here. We have been talking about the Advent wreath through the season of Advent. And you might remember that the Advent wreath is a circle because God's love for us never ends. It has no beginning and it has no end. It's also made out of evergreen branches, branches that don't lose their leaves in the wintertime, because it's a picture of eternal life, the promise of eternal life that we have through Jesus our Savior. Then you have the candles, and all the candles have names, and they all have little flames on top, and each week there's more and more fire reminding us that Jesus is the light of the world, the light shining in the darkness. And we had the prophecy candle reminding us that God told us what to look for so when the Messiah would come, we would know who he is. We had the Bethlehem candle. Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's a prophecy, just as God promised. Last week, we had the shepherd's candle. They were the first ones to hear the good news that Jesus has been born And now today, the fourth candle is the angel's candle. Now, I don't know if you knew this or not, but the word angel, it means messenger. Angels are God's messengers. They bring messages to people. And like we'll talk about next week when we celebrate Christmas, the angels brought this great message that a Savior has been born for everyone in the whole world. What a wonderful message, but... We don't have angels bringing us that message anymore, do we? I am not an angel. I'm just a man. I get the privilege of being a pastor. I get to shepherd God's people. I get to share the good news of Jesus with you. See, God did something pretty amazing. He decided in his wisdom that he was only going to use angels to send messages to people a couple times. But then, once the people... The sinful people for whom Jesus came learned that Jesus came for me. He decided to use us to share the message to the next person. He decided to use us who have been saved by Jesus to tell others, like you guys just saying, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. God uses us, people who have been told about Jesus, to go tell other people about Jesus because our Savior is their savior too. And so today we remember that the angels were messengers, but God has made you and me messengers too. He asks the people who Jesus saved, you and me, to go tell everybody else around us, hey, Jesus saved you too. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we thank you for artwork like an advent wreath. The Advent wreath itself is is really not the, the most impressive thing. It's not the thing that we worship. You are the one that we worship. But the Advent wreath is a wonderful picture. It helps us to remember things about you, true things about you and your word. We thank you for a, a picture like the Advent wreath, which helps us to remember that we know exactly who you are, Jesus, because our Father promised in the Old Testament that you would come. You told us exactly what to look for and you are the savior that God has promised to send. Now that we know you, now that we know that you are our savior from sin, death, and hell, help us to become your messengers, to share this good news of great joy which is for all people. Our savior is the savior of all. In your name we pray, amen.
The portion of God's word that we'll focus our attention on for a few moments this morning comes from Luke chapter 1. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of our God. Let's pray. Hail to the Lord's anointed, great David's greater son. Hail in the time appointed, his reign on earth begun. He comes to break oppression, to set the captive free, to take away transgression and rule in equity. Amen. In a sinful world, those with power, high levels of authority, high levels of status, often oppress those beneath them. You know what I'm talking about. It's discussed in our culture all the time. People who have been given a lot of responsibility, a lot of authority, high status, will often hold those beneath them under their thumb. And you can understand how in a a sinful world, in the context of a sinful world, people would draw the conclusions that they do. You can understand that in a sinful world, people would draw a direct connection between a high level of authority, a high level of status, and oppression. There seems to be a connection. There seems to be a connection that where there is high authority, there is also oppression. Today, we are wrestling with a fact that contradicts what is believed in our world. Today, we are wrestling with a fact that in actuality, high levels of authority, high levels of status do not directly connect to oppression. 
In fact, there's something else. There's another variable that's often missed that is the connection to oppression, and that's wickedness. It is the wickedness of mankind combined with a high level of authority. It is the wickedness of mankind combined with a high level of status that leads to oppression. There is actually no connection between status alone and oppression, between authority alone and oppression. You heard this referenced in the Old Testament lesson. God is talking to David, King David, who wants to build a temple for the Lord. And the Lord's message to him is, no, you're not going to build a temple for me. Your son will build a temple for me. But while God is making promises about his son Solomon, who would build a physical temple, God is also making promises about another descendant of David, not Solomon, who would also build a house for God, the Holy Christian Church. A different king, a king who would sit on a throne forever and in whose kingdom there would never again be oppression. So how would God accomplish that? How would God accomplish a kingdom that never ends where there is no oppression forever and ever, where wicked people no longer oppress those who are underneath them? The world has a solution to the problem of oppression. The world says the problem to oppression is you must bring down those in high levels of authority and bring up those who are oppressed. And the goal, of course, the solution supposedly is equality. That if we can achieve equality where there is no difference in status, where there is no difference in authority, then, the theory goes, No more oppression and no more wickedness. But God's solution is different. As you just heard in this lesson, God is twice referred to as the Most High. The Most High. There is no one above Him, only below. That the Most High would come down to our level. And no one brought him down. He would bring himself down to our level. Just as he promised. So that he could bring us up to his level. Just as he promised. I want to spend just a few minutes with you just reviewing the dialogue between Mary and Gabriel. Take a listen to these words once again. Gabriel comes to the Virgin Mary and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Now, this word, you who are highly favored, it comes from the same root that we get the word grace from in the Greek language. And grace is favor toward people who don't deserve it, love towards people like you and me who don't deserve it. So you could say, to bring out the flavor of the word, Greetings, you having been graced, having been loved by God, even though you don't deserve it, having been loved by God, the Lord is with you. So right there we see there's nothing unique about Mary. It's not, as some teach, that she's holy and that's why she was chosen to be the mother of Jesus. No, 
This is God's undeserved love for her. His grace toward her. Why did he pick Mary? Because God's gracious. It has nothing to do with Mary. Everything to do with God. And the Lord is with her. Mary, of course, is terrified. The angel replies, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. And again, people think, oh, there's the passage that says Mary did something right, and that's why God picked her. That's why he found favor with her. No, it's literally you have found grace with God. You have come to know the grace of God, the undeserved love for God toward you. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Jesus is the the, the name that means salvation. Right there in the name, he is going to be the savior the promised Messiah. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So right there, you have the fulfillment of the promise from our Old Testament lesson from 2 Samuel chapter seven. The angel Gabriel is saying to Mary, your son, the son of the Most High is the one that God promised to your ancestor, David. And he will be called son of the most high. He will sit on the throne of David forever. How will this be since I am a virgin? This is not a question of doubt. This is just a question, how's that gonna happen? (laughs) And you can understand that, right? Uh, How's this gonna work? I'm a virgin. Well, the angel Gabriel gives a very clear answer. The Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. No promise of God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. So this is the announcement of the Most High coming down. And there's a part of you and there's a part of me that says, good, come down. I need God to come down here. And I'm glad that he did. Come down to to my level, Lord, and let's figure things out right here. Because my life is full of stress, and my life is full of angst, and my life is full of suffering, and my life is full of trouble, and my life is full of death. So yes, Lord, come down here, and let's figure all this out. There's so much wickedness. There's so much oppression. There is so much pain. There is so much suffering. There is so much death. Let's have God come down here to our level because, you know, we could use a little love and good cheer this time of year. Even people who are farthest from the Most High, who couldn't consider themselves Christians if they tried and don't, still put up Christmas trees. They still light the house. They still deck the halls. 
Why? Ah, might as well have a little bit of that Christmas festive spirit. Have a little temporary peace and a little temporary joy. Let's bring God down here to help us out because our problems are pretty big. And it would sure be nice to have a God helping us out with those problems. So let's bring him down here by us. And then we'll just stay right here. He did not come down here to stay here. He did not come down here from the most high position of authority in the universe. He did not come down here to this place so he could sit on a throne here forever. No, not here. Our problems here end in death. The solutions to our problems here don't actually last. They're all temporary. And Jesus did not come down from the most high place to provide a temporary solution. Even though in your heart and in mine, that's what we're often looking for. We're looking for a temporary solution. Christmas isn't what it once was. There's too much going on this year. How do I get my hands on my schedule so that I could be in control again instead of being controlled by the schedule? And we just want a little break, just an opportunity to take a breath. And if you're honest, you're just looking for a temporary break. But again, that's not why Jesus came down. He came down here and was never wicked He is the only human ever who rightly deserved to have more authority in this life than anyone else. And yet he never oppressed one. Not one. He's the only one who did not deserve a cross. Wicked people, wicked oppressors deserve a cross. Rebellious lawbreakers deserve a cross. But as you heard in that 2 Samuel text, God promised David that when his son was disobedient, he would discipline him. Jesus never was. Until God treated him as though he was. Until the father on high treated the son who had come down here as though he was the wicked oppressor, as though he was the rebellious lawbreaker. Jesus came down here not to provide temporary solutions but to be punished as we deserve to be punished, to endure our hell on a cross, to receive the punishment that we deserve for our short-sightedness, for our wickedness, for our rebellion. He died and then he was raised from the dead. And he ascended into heaven so that he could lift us up. So that he could lift those who have been humbled by the law of God, who have been shown how serious our sin is, so he could lift us up. Mary sang a song of celebration. You might know these words. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. And the word 
that she uses there has lifted up the humble, same root as Most High God. He lifts us up out of here to a place that is so much better, so much higher than what we experience here. We have a hard time wrapping our minds around it, don't we? Wait, you're saying solutions that actually solve the problem? Not a Christmas tree that gets set up, provides temporary joy, drops all its needles, and sticks in my foot till early summer? You mean real solutions? Like actual peace that lasts? A real solution to death? Resurrection? Yes. Just as God promised. God's solution was not to come down to our level and stay. God's solution was to come down here so that he could bring us up to him. And that's exactly what he's done and that's exactly what he'll do. You got a week. You got a week to stop trying to control Christmas and just let Christmas control you. You got a week to stop trying to figure out how you can make everything right and just know Jesus already made everything right. Jesus came down to bring you and me up. Spend the next week just reveling in that. And then come back here next Sunday and then back here again on Monday. Let's do both this year. And let's celebrate. Let's celebrate the the Most High God who came down to bring us up to him. Amen.